Okay, so we are back on the Alien Caveman. It should have been last week, but last week was Golden Week in Japan. Uh, I took the week off. Everything's just been pushed back a week, but no, no problem. You were waiting for this. I know you're excited. This week in the Alien Caveman saga, or this month, because I'm doing like one a month, uh, chapters 11 and 12. So what has happened is uh, Sophia has been separated from the group that has been trapped on the alien planet. Uh, violent dinosaurs and monsters everywhere. She went into a sacred cave where she was sexually assaulted, but liked it uh, by Jackson, who had never seen a woman before, but part of his religious training is how to please a woman. Which uh, so far has been one of the more interesting parts, that there's been training for satisfying a being that does not exist in your planet. Uh, He is a proper alien. I thought they were just jacked up dudes. Uh, he has like cat's teeth and sort of uh, stripes, but the stripes are furry and softer. And he's he's big and strong and manly. And he's the manliest man. And the, the phrase that uh, Sophia's used multiple times is that he makes me feel safe. With I, I believe is a syndrome like uh, when you get kidnapped. So Stockholm Syndrome or something like that. Where your kidnapper is now the person that you feel is protecting you from the rest of the world. But he hasn't kidnapped her. This has been weirdly voluntary. Terry, uh, it just the the sexual assault was a bit off-putting because she was unconscious and he decided to go down on her. Uh, that was her basically. I think the bit that, that threw me off the most was that she woke up while someone was going to town, and seemed like that was like a not an unusual occurrence for her, which. You could extrapolate, says a lot about Sophia. Uh, they, he, <clears throat> my prediction was accurate. She was like, we got to go back and get the, my other ladies. Uh, and then Jackson was like, no, it's dangerous up there. And she's like, well, I'm going. And then he says, okay, well, I'll go with you because I'm your protector now. And, and we're in love, but we're not really in love yet. Uh, we'll go get the ladies. And then they saw some dinosaurs. So we're seeing some sort of local uh, color. So there was a dinosaur. It was attacked by other little dinosaurs and other dinosaurs came and defended the big dinosaur. Uh, and then uh, that, that's the end of that was the end of the last chapter. Now we are moving on to Alien Caveman's Ransom. Uh, chapter 11. Oh, no, no, I don't want to do that. Chapter 11. Uh, we are back with Sophia. The two defenders catch up with the giant dinosaur. So this is the two little dinosaurs that were defending the big dinosaur from the aggressive dinosaurs that were trying to attack the big dinosaur. I don't know if I made that clearer, but here we are. The two defenders catch up with the giant dinosaur and they then they seem to climb into the feathered body, a feathery body. And yeah, the dinosaurs on this planet have feathers. So I don't, I, I forget when this was written, but clearly it was after the feather theory came to light that dinosaurs basically all look like chickens. Feathery body of the large one, and then their heads poke up from the front of the body. It's a three-headed dinosaur now. I guess the feathers must have, have, must have hidden cavities in the huge body where they fit perfectly. They're one, I state, because it's obvious. That's actually just one being, but it can split into three parts. It probably makes no sense, but that's what it looks like to me. Jackson grunts, turns around, and keeps walking. Yes. Jackson is a great educator. He's just affirming her, and he's like, you are correct. Let's move on. I guess the show's over, so I follow him as closely as I can up the hill. It's hard going because the hill is steep, and Jackson walks pretty fast. 
when because he's so manly he can't even walk like a regular person because he's just no i'm a man and i walk fast when we get to the stream i recognize i'm soaked with sweat and my breath is ragged in my throat but i'm not tempted to take a dip because that's how she fell in before and got sucked down a hole and ended up in the uh, sacred cave in the first place boon Jackson says and sweeps his hand to indicate the forest ahead of us. The translator doesn't offer any suggestions, so I guess it could just be the name of this place. Boone, I repeat thoughtfully. The tuna can is right over that ridge. Jackson looks up and around and places his hand lightly over his mouth while looking at me. I get it. Shut up. That's fine with me. This is not dactyl country, and I'm not about to attract their attention. But it's also Sophiasaurus country, and God knows what else country, so I stick very close to Jackson as we make our way up the ridge. I'm half expecting to find Caroline's dead body on the ground, because after I fell in the stream last night, she would have been on her own. And being on your own out here in Boone seems very unwise. We get to the ridge, and I see the tuna can glinting in the sunlight. That's it! I came in that, and my friends are inside. I hope. Jackson can produce some pretty spectacular frowns, but this one's a real doozy. Boone, he says. Forbidden. He points to the ground, and sure enough, right on the top of the ridge, there's a row of rocks of the same size. Just gravel size, really, but they're all white and round and carefully placed in a straight line that disappears into the vegetation in both directions. It may, I may be an alien here, but even I can see that's a boundary of some kind. Yeah, I mean, Sophia is very good. She's supposed to be a scientist, uh, fairly highly well-educated, and she seems to notice obvious things very well. But I can't be ruled by alien customs. I have to get let my conscience guide me. I take one step so I'm on the other side of the little stones. I have no choice. Jackson does not move, but the look he sends me could probably kill rabbits from 30 feet away. Damn it, so near and yet so far. I have to try. Jackson, I would really need your help on this side too. I understand that it's a boundary you don't want to cross, but this is an emergency. Maybe you could bend the rules a little this time? Oh, Wow. Uh, she's basically saying, like, your religion, uh, just, you know, forget it for a little bit, which is not the right attitude. The translator goes on for a good while, but Jackson's frown doesn't change. He just stands there like a statue, feet apart, and his arms crossed over his chest. Yeah, he's not moving from there. Shit. I don't want to lose his help, but I have to go see the girls. I know this is a lot to ask, but if you won't cross, could you please wait here until I come back? I need your protection, and the other girls do too. If they're alive still, please. Here's the thing. Jackson is very invested in this this female as an existing entity. Uh, the temptation of there being more females on this area, there's two ways you could play this. One, you could say, yes, the women come from this sacred place. That's why you're not allowed in. If you come with me, we'll bring them out. Or she could say like, look, you think I'm great. There are more of me in there. I think that would work. She's not above using her sexuality to get to Jackson to do what she does. When she was walking away, she decided to swing her hips more uh, levaciously to get his attention and get him to follow her, and it worked. He looks at me levelly and says nothing. I've made him angry, I'm pretty sure. Okay, I say, if you have to go, then thank you for everything. I hope I'll see you again. It's a very female way to handle that. I'm like, okay, fine, bye. And I mean it. Because this guy doesn't just make me feel safe and protected. He also turns me on by just existing. And I want, and I like his quiet confidence, especially since it seems to be totally backed by actual skills and strength. He's not showing off at all. 
This is who he is. His movements are natural and powerful, and his alien looks are just the right side of weird. Oh, I don't know if I'm a fan of that, but whatever. I never liked the runway model look anyways, and this is a real man. I could totally fall for a guy like that. Totally. And I think I can see his bulge in his loincloth. It's a big bulge, and its contours are interesting. I really don't want to lose him. Again, not even a full 24 hours together. Aliens don't know anything about each other. And I'm still turning my back to him and walking away because I guess I'll have to accept being the bitch of the story. This is a trope I she's created that I, I now hate. But there's no way in hell I'm going to be the coward too. I can feel his eyes burning a hole in my back and probably on my ass as I walk towards the tuna can. Always looking... See? she She's, she's done that on purpose. It's the butt. She knows he's going to go for that. Always looking around for signs of movement. Then I pass on the other side of the tree and when I glance back, he's gone. I sigh and force down an urge to run back. Damn it. I really liked him. I... It's a syndrome. There's no way this could be, like, real. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a function of terror that she feels so uh, much affection for this guy already. I reach the tuna can and knock. Hello in there. It's Sophia. The translator, <laughs> the translator says something in Jackson's language and I turn it off. The battery is good, but it won't last forever. That was something I said early on when they started using it. I was like, ah, we're actually charging this is going to be an issue if they can't keep it going. The door slides open and a pale face looks out. It's Heidi. Sophia? I go inside the can and she closes the door behind me. Actually, earlier I said, as soon as it started opening and closing the door, because it's also an electronic... The door must be working off a of battery. They actually can't close the door because as soon or later the battery will die. And if the door, if the battery dies while the door is closed, they might not be able to open the alien door. Anyways, I go inside the can and she closes the door behind me. It smells worse in here than last night. Of course it does. They've been there for another day. Sophia, Caroline gets to her feet and comes over to hug me. I was so sure you drowned. <laughs> yeah, me too. The girls are drawn and look both tired and exhausted like they've been crying a lot. And I don't blame them at all. I know what I'd rather be doing right now. I assume that means Jackson. I tell them what happened, glossing over details of how Jackson woke me up the first time. Sexual assault. But I'm not sure if he's there anymore. He may have left. They're all looking at each other. That's the most amazing thing I've ever heard, Aurora says. A caveman who is hot and protects you? Uh, the order is actually less important in that one. That's, yeah, just amazing. Amelia taps her lips with one finger. Do you have any of that meat, maybe? I give them the packets and they unwrap the leaves and eat the meat with much less caution than I showed the first time. Well, I guess they can see it didn't kill me. So what happened here while I was gone? Oh my God, Aurora says. We've had the worst time. First the sun set and it got totally dark and neither you or Caroline had returned. So we opened the door so you could see the light and you could find this thing. And then Caroline comes in and she's only got one leaf of water and she's crying and she says that you drowned. And then we all cry our eyes out for a while because we all know we're going to die here. And then we drink the water and then we feel so much better except Delia. Delia? Uh, the, the walk water seems to... Oh, she's going to explain it. Delia shrugs. That water reeked of psychoactive substances. I wouldn't touch it. So yeah, I thought it was alcohol, but she's just saying there's like maybe the plants are dropping something into it that makes it like you go a little woozy. 
After sunrise, Amelia continues, we kept the door open for a while and we thought about going back to the stream and maybe finding some plants to eat until we heard one of those screams, the not dactyls. So we closed the door again and that's all we know until you knocked. I went outside at dawn to collect clean water, Delia adds. The air here is very humid and leaves are dripping with dew all night long. Just a survival tip. I nod. Good thinking. So they're so supportive of each other. I've been playing a video game. In the last two or three, everyone in it has been really rude to each other. I want more of this. Like, hey, man, good job. You know, good thinking. You're a, you're a good person who tries hard. I want that in more of my media. I don't think people understand that sarcasm is good when one person is sarcastic. When it's everybody, it's not funny anymore. Oh, you know, Caroline says, this can isn't going anywhere. It's like a cargo container on a ship back home. Just walls and a floor and roof, nothing else. No creature comforts except for some light and the door. And it provides shelter against predators. That's it. I nod. We should probably try to get Juxan to take us to his village. I mean, we have nothing left to lose now. Will they be willing to house and feed us, Heidi asks? Oh boy, will they? I mean, he sounds like a pretty primitive guy, no offense, but I highly doubt he or anyone in his village has a spaceship that can take us back to Earth or any kind of emergency communications thing, and even that could be useless. No one from Earth could reach us here. It's just another solar system. At least four light years away from Earth, Delia informs us, it would be the fastest it would take the fastest NASA spacecraft seventeen thousand years to get here if that sun is Proxima Centauri and not another star. We're all stunned for a moment, and I feel I'm welling up again. We're further from home than I'd suspected. Caroline shakes her head. What we're looking at is this. At the very best case scenario, we've become members of his tribe. We become members of his tribe and go back to the Stone Age way of life. And I'm not sure that's a choice I'm willing to make right now. Uh, These aren't choices anymore. You're actually just talking about survival. You get choices after you've figured out how to survive. If it's that or death, then we'll all choose life, Amelia reasons. We, oh, Amelia and I are on the same page. We could give them a chance to help us before we judge them. Aurora bangs the wall with her fist. We shouldn't leave this can. It's the only shelter we have, and it's the closest thing to a spaceship. Our only hope to get home is if the abductors come and re- return to pick us back up. I think they might. I'm going to start trying to give people accents, but I know I'm not going to remember who's who. It could happen at any time, and we don't want to not be here when they come. If they're, if we're not, we're stranded here for good, forever! Again, we're all silent while the reality of the disaster is dawning on us. Heidi stares at the wall. Will they take us in, though? That's not a given. Look, Sophia could explain that they don't have women. I think, I don't remember if they've said that or not. So she just might not know. Will they take us in, though? That's not a given. They might be struggling already. We're six useless mouths to feed. I don't think they'll care too much about our great knowledge of earth languages and philosophers and social sciences. I don't know how to hunt mammoths or dactyls or even know how to make wicker baskets. Do any of you? We can learn, I state. We're not useless. We're six intelligent young women. Sure, it'll be a harder life than we're used to, but we can do it. What do you think, Delia? Everyone looks at her. She rarely speaks, but when she does, it's probably... It probably pays to listen. And now we need some common sense here. 
She shrugs. I think we can stay alive right here, even if the tribe will take us in. I'm guessing that getting to their village will take us through some unknown territory and very dangerous terrain. In here, we seem pretty safe. We can stay here and learn how to stay alive on our own. Then, if for some reason we think that village life will be better, we can go there and ask for their support. Not, a, not as a bunch of helpless aliens, but as people who can fend for themselves and know how to stay alive. We'll have value for them then. We can spend weeks right here cultivating skills that they might need. I'm sure we can do some stuff that they can't or that we know some about some inventions that they don't have. I say we should stay here and thrive and keep in touch with Jackson and his village if that's possible. It's fertile land and we can live here. I doubt there will be any winters with this sun so close. This could actually turn into a very interesting field trip. We're all quiet for three heartbeats. I think Delia should be our leader, I suggest spontaneous. Who's in favor? I, the four other girls say is one. I've never led anything, Delia protests. I'm just stating the obvious. Oh, she's going to start sounding like the alien data character. I place my hand on her brown shoulder. And so are we. You're so smart and full of common sense that it would be weird to not give you, you the final word. Hey, you won't be a dictator. I tried leading these girls in a translator project for months, and I tell you, it's like herding cats with these chicks. <laughs> ah, my friends, they're so silly. I roll my eyes theatrically, and we all giggle. Delia's little speech has made us optimistic. We'll try living here, and then we'll go. And then we can go to Jackson and his people and check if they'll help us, or if we can help them. Okay, Delia says, and gets to her feet. We might as well get started. We need food, water we can collect. They have an inherent problem in that they do not know how to fight dinosaurs. That is the core issue. That like the farming and stuff is fine. Hunting dinosaurs is the issue that none of you can do. One of you has a gun, I believe. Do they still have the gun? I think she still has the gun. Anyways, they have a pistol. So that's not going to last very long because it probably has like at max like 20 bullets in it. And you're going to need all those to take down one dinosaur. We might as well get started. We need food, water we can collect at dawn. So we should probably try to find fruits and berries, seeds, edible roots. If it's sweet, it's probably okay. If it's sour or bitter, leave it alone. We should explore that stream more too. If there's fish, we should try to catch some. We'll make a net, but that's for later. Now we need to make the wildlife here understand that we live here now. We should make weapons, sharpen sticks that would work fine in the beginning, rocks to throw. Still have that gun, Sophia? I show it. Yup! So she's brandishing a weapon in a closed space going, yeah, I have a gun. That thing is super important now, Delia continues, because actually it was super important the whole time. It will be the deadliest weapon we have for as long as we're here. We could hunt with it, but I suggest we don't. We needed the ammunition for defense. I agree. Delia and I think uh, very similarly on this issue. Can someone else take it for a while, please, I plead? Or can we keep it in a special place in here? Anytime anyone is outside, that gun is also outside and in someone's hand, Delia states. Outside, we're always in pairs or threes. And one always looks up, so we're not surprised by dactyls. I think we're, we elected the right leader, Amelia says, and stands up. I feel much better now about this. Okay, who's with me on Berry Patrol? These girls are so chipper now. You are facing an eternity on an alien planet that only has men. There are only six women on the entire planet. I don't think they know that yet, so that's not fair to judge them on. You have no idea how much trouble you're in. You're going to get eaten by dinosaurs. So really the question now, predictive-wise, is someone going to get eaten in the next five pages? Because I think they will. 
We pair up and go out the door after checking for dinosaurs and centipedes. I hand the gun to Delia, pretty relieved to be rid of it. It hasn't really done much good. Then I go out with Heidi to see if we can see any fish in that stream. It turns out to be a pretty good day. We don't catch any fish or even see any. We also don't see any noctactyls or centipedes. The others have discovered some peach-sized fruits that are pretty juicy and taste like blueberries. So we end the day on a pretty happy note. We didn't need to actually make sharpened sticks, but we've discovered three more of the rocky piles with spears sticking out of them. Now they have slightly fewer spears in them. Oh, so that's like a religious thing. They're stealing from the religious iconography, which is a word I actually had trouble with in the last podcast. Iconography. Oh, there it is. Iconography. Uh, So that's bad karma. You should not steal. I guess they have no choice. I would do the same thing. Uh, and we have a little pile of primitive weapons made by someone else. We gather herbs and plants that don't taste too weird. I spot a purple little plant that smells so fresh I can't ignore it. It has fresh acidic flavor and I'm tempted to deem it too, uh, good for eating, but the taste is so wholesome I wave to tell you over here. What do you think about this? Looks like a herb. She sniffs the plant, then takes a little leaf and chews it. It's more tart than sour. I don't know much about pharma, but I think this could be an antiseptic. Bacterias don't like acidic environments. Could be a possible way to treat wounds. While they are just getting everything conveniently laid out for them. I nod seriously, secretly thrilled that I may have discovered something useful. Yeah, I guess we'll see. She looks around, always on her guard. Uh-huh. Looks like someone's placed flowers on Elysia's graves. I'm not grave. I'm not sure we should get too close to it. It's pretty shallow and it might attract predators. I nod again. She thinks of everything. Throughout the day, I keep very intense lookout. I look at the sky for, uh, to watch for not dactyls, and I look around for the trees, hoping for a glimpse of a tanned, hairy warrior with a big sword and a safe arm to hold around me. But he's gone. The sun sets, and we get in a tuna can and close the door. We found some soft leaves that we want to use as mattresses. While our bundled-up lab coats have to serve as pillows, we lie awake and chat for a while about Earth and our families and what could have happened to them. There's some sniffling, and then someone cracks a joke and everyone laughs. It's nice to not be alone here. But still, I miss Jackson. I knew him for only a half day or so, but he made an impression on me with his quiet strength. I think she's actually talking about how he's like, yeah, his body more than anything else. I never liked chatty men. My type was always the strong, silent type with an intelligent glint in the eye. And Jackson had that in spades. I would feel so much better if he was here now. I feel my eyes closing all by themselves. I have to see him again, I hear myself mumble, as I, as I let sleep engulf me. Okay, uh, that's chapter 11. We're going to read chapter 12. Uh... It's Jackson. Oh, we're moving on to Jackson. And Jackson, what's going to happen is Jackson is going to be like, I can't just leave the only woman in all of existence on that hill. I'm going to have to figure out a way to go back. He's either going to go back to the village and get a hunting party, or he's just going to stay around the, the fringe of that circle, the barrier, and make sure she's okay. I recognize the thing. Oh, say word. Chapter 12, Jackson. I recognize the thing right away. That's a plude container. Plude is the gray aliens who kidnapped the ladies and deposited them on this planet. We don't know if that was on purpose because the ladies tried to uh, take over the ship they were on, failed miserably, so they may have just dumped them there. This actually might be garbage, but Plude... So, alien species, review. Earthlings. 
uh, alien cavemen and gray aliens. Gray aliens are the most advanced. The cavemen aliens know about the gray aliens, but we don't understand the relationship yet. Uh, it does not seem like this is the first time that the Plood have dumped stuff on this planet. Uh, that's a plued container dumped here by one of their spaceships. So they know what spaceships are. And of course they have dumped it inside Boone, the sacred area where, for, where we're forbidden to tread. So Sophia comes from their dirty little plued aliens of all places and not from the ancestors. The ancestors are like their gods. I would never have guessed that, but it's obvious and it puts a damper on my enthusiasm. Is it this really because of the prophecy? I suppose it could be. The ancestors work in mysterious ways, but having the mother delivered by the plude seems unusual, even for them. That alien presence in this world would appear to taint her. Oh, so he's like turned off because she came from the greys, which is interesting because he was real super excited when he, because he thought he was fulfilling a prophecy by being, being the only man who had met the only woman and they were going to like propagate. I patrol the area around Boone for a while as I consider the implications, making sure Sophia and her friends aren't stalked by any bigs. I avoid the flying ones, the IROCs. I like the, you know, the car, the IROC Z, uh, because I only have my sword and they tend to come in flocks. I sometimes get a glimpse of the alien women as they explore, explore Boone and its surroundings. I easily stay out of sight. Ah, so again, he's staying around the edge. My predictions are spot on with this. Uh, I easily stay out of sight and observe how they take some of our old spears, probably to use them as weapons. That should work against smalls, but no big will be impressed by that. I shoo away some predator predatory smalls who have smelled the newcomers and are gathering around, and I'm gratified to see the large rammer live. That to see a large rammer live. I'm gratified to see a large rammer live not too far away. Okay, so rammer's the name. And they live. I'm having trouble with that sentence because uh, using alien names means I don't have context for what it means. I don't know if it's like an adjective or a noun or something. Rammer, I think, is a noun. So to see a large rammer live, no, live not too far away. A big like that will not bother the women, but the flying terrors will have no love for that and it might keep them away from Sophia and her friends. It boggles my mind to see so many females at the same time. It should, since you have only seen the first one one day ago and now you're seeing six. Sophia was interesting enough, but six women at the same time? Unbelievable. It's just like living in an old myth. What will I do now? I need guidance. I have to pray and meditate, but not here, not this close to Boone. I walk into the woods. Oh, that was chapter 12. It was just him thinking. Oh, okay. Uh, oh, wait, wait. I got to do my predictions. That's how I end these. Uh, without reading the screen, because I might accidentally read ahead. So he's going to go away, pray, come back. I bet he breaks the barrier. Because six ladies is just too tempting for him. Then... Uh, they're going to, they, they got to have contact with the village because this is where the alien, like the kidnapping and the titular ransom has to come in and it has to, the, the dinosaurs aren't going to kidnap anybody. So, and the ransom hasn't come up yet. So I think the other cavemen from the village, I did my, this is my previous prediction. So I think it just holds that they're going to find out there's more than one woman. They're going to take some. And then the, the, the end job is to get those women back. Uh, using Juxon's very manly muscles. Okay, so that's my prediction for chapters 13 and 14, which I'm not going to read. Uh, we'll stop there.